So we're carrying on this series called Only One Thing Matters. Feel prophetically, the burden of this morning is this, is that Jesus is saying, there is a knock. And he wants to say, I'm standing at the door. And he wants to say, I want you to get your hopes up. And he's saying to us, as a local church, and to us as individuals, I'm coming to you. I'm standing at the door of CCK, and I'm knocking. I'm going to ignite enthusiasm and passion for me that changes a community. Get your hopes up. I'm coming to give you personally and corporately what you've longed for. I've been wooing you. And he says, this is our identity. You are a community transforming church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you want it, you can have it. Just believe Jesus is giving us possibilities for keys to heal and bring breakthrough to mental health. I do believe that Jesus has given us a commission to continue to love and see breakthrough amongst the Nepalese community of 6,000 men and women who live here. And there's a harvest there, and it's already happening, and it's going to spill over into Kathmandu and other areas of Nepal. And I believe he's giving us keys to art that brings revelation. And this series really is, how do you get all of that? Because that's what he's called us to. That is what he's designed us for. That's what he wants to give us. Like Tim was saying, that in his presence, rocks get removed and a flow happens. As Tracy was saying, strongholds get broken. Mindsets get changed in the presence of Jesus. Only one thing matters. And if our yes is to Jesus, we would like to be partners with you for the transformation of a community. The only way that's going to happen is through intimacy, connection, abiding and dependence. And I want to read some verses that hold incredible promise to us. And at the same time, we need to listen to these words through a lens of grace and kindness. Because if we listen to them wrongly, we'll go on a guilt trip. And these words that Jesus speaks are not to get us on a guilt trip. Because he never disowns us and he never rejects us. And when Jesus looks at you... God looks at you, he sees you completely righteous. That he doesn't see your sin. So how can you know that? Because your sin is as far as the east is from the west. And you've been given the gift of righteousness. And he sees you. So when we listen to these words, they, they, they... can make us feel, oh, frightened, but we've got to listen to them through the overall arch of a God who would never 
disown us, never reject us. So in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, we read Jesus' words to a church in Laodicea. I want to say as well that when I put the series together, I chose it because of the phrase, I'm knocking at the door, I want to eat with you. And if I'm honest, I wasn't thinking of the whole context. So this, these words we're going to look at, this preach, is not designed to address something that I'm thinking. But if Jesus wants to address something, he can address it. Yeah? So Jesus says in verse 15, I, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Or the message translation says, you make me want to vomit. (laughs) Or you make me sick. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing or do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve, or it's like a treat, treatment or an ointment for your eyes, so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repent means change your mind. Then he says, here I am. I stand at the door and I and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So sometimes we, I don't know, I've never preached these verses before, and I don't know, maybe you've been in context where these verses were preached, and I don't know whether you've ever heard them preached to make you feel really, really bad and guilty, because the person who was preaching maybe had an agenda to get you to do something. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, that is not my plan, I will not be asking for an offering at the end, and I will not be asking for any volunteers for anything at the end. Because Jesus does not motivate via guilt and shame and control. He's not, he's, he's not political in any way. So let's look at these verses then. Being self-aware is a really helpful thing for growing up as a believer. It's good to have an awareness of why maybe you're feeling in a certain way or maybe you're reacting in a certain way or maybe why something has triggered you so that you can become aware that, well, I'm not a victim of something out there. There's something in me I'm aware of that's being triggered. I need to come to Jesus and get grace because I'm aware that those words that someone said or that hurt that I carry or that thing that happened needs healing. And I'm aware or I'm self-aware that when I'm tired or when I'm hungry, they're not times to make good decisions. And I've got a self-awareness. I'm aware of how I numb my pain, I'm aware. I'm aware of when I'm strong and I'm aware of what I do when I'm weak. It's really good to be self-aware. 
It's an incredibly important trait for maturing and growing as a believer. But however well we know ourselves, however in tune we are, however emotionally intelligent we are about ourselves and our strengths and our weaknesses and our capacities and our limitations, however well you know yourself, the greatest security comes from being known by Jesus. That's actually the greatest security there is. The greatest security there is, is there's one who has promised to lead, guide, direct us and keep us on track. It's a great, wonderful security because it protects us from the accuser of the brethren who always wants to point out our faults without hope or without a solution just to make us crushed and guilty. So it's good to know that Jesus has promised, I'll give you feedback. I'll speak to you. That gives us security. That gives us well-being. That produces rest. So we don't need to go digging. Because we need his feedback, because we don't know what we don't know. If we knew we were deceived, we wouldn't then be deceived. (laughs) The Apostle Paul believed that those who followed Jesus were actually opposed to God until Jesus gave him some feedback and knocked him off his donkey and said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And he was blind and his eyes got healed after, but he came to change his mind about Jesus. And so this church is needing some feedback. They are saying something like, I am rich. Jesus said to them, you say, I am rich. We're rich. And interestingly, this particular church, this particular community was incredibly rich. That actually during an earthquake, a load of the buildings in Laodicea were toppled and crumbled and other areas in the same region needed to borrow money from Rome to repair the city. Actually, Laodicea had so much wealth They could rebuild the city themselves because they were a rich community and they had a lot of resources. This particular community as well was the centre of the fashion industry. They made amazing wool and different fabric fashion. Incredible fashion came out of Laodicea, which is interesting that Jesus says, you're poor and actually you're naked. Well, no, we're not because we've got fashion. We're the Milan of the early world. And they also had a great kind of medical capacity as well. They used to make creams that would heal or give help to eyesight. And so this community was incredibly rich. They had fashion and they had a lot of medical resources. So it's interesting that Jesus says to this community, you're actually poor, you're actually naked, you're actually blind. And Jesus came to them and said, I want you to be aware of your true spiritual condition. They needed feedback. They needed to understand their true spiritual condition. They needed Jesus' loving correction because they just believed they were prosperous and rich and had no need. Because of their resources and their capacity, they had a mindset that said, We can live independent from God and we can live self-sufficient 
and we can live half-hearted. So their confidence was in their industry, in their wealth, in their capacity, in their strengths. And Jesus says, you know what, this independent, half-hearted attitude to me makes me sick. He asks, actually, where's your passion? Where's your enthusiasm? Where's your affection for me? And like we said right at the beginning, this is not a guilt trip. This is not a guilt trip because we're going to come to the solution that there's one who gives loving feedback and then there's one also who gives the resources so that we can meet the feedback. That's why he knocks at the door. And so he can come to us and it's okay to say to Jesus, actually, Jesus, it doesn't really matter what I think of the church. It doesn't really matter what my assessment is of the church. What do you think about us, Jesus? And what do you think about our spiritual condition, both as a corporate body and as individuals? It's actually not a bad question to ask Jesus. What, we, we do it with our cars every year. We go to the garage with our desire for an MOT certificate because we want some feedback on our brakes on how safe our car is, whether it's running okay, does it need a new exhaust, is it environmentally friendly? We, we do this all the time with pat testing of electrical stuff to test it's okay. We go to the doctors for annual checkups. We do a whole host of things. We go to the dentist for our checkups. All the time we're doing that. And so it's a good thing to say to Jesus, can you come and give us some feedback on our spiritual condition, Jesus, both corporately and individually. Do you have any warnings for us? Is there anything you would like to say? Because we know that you always love us. You're always for us. You actually don't see our sin. You see our righteousness. So we're completely accepted. And you said there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you don't motivate via guilt. You don't motivate via shame. You don't use politics and you don't use punishment to get us to do things. You woo us with love. Romans says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repent and change our mind. It's actually kindness. So we, we don't listen to any voices that say um, to us, condemn us and, and make us feel guilty. But we at the same time say, are there any warnings for us in this? And so Jesus could come to us and say, hey guys, you live in one of the busiest cities in the whole world. You do. And some of your commute times are enormous. And you're in traffic and busyness and stress all week. And you go from thing to thing and pressed into trains and busy life. And some of you are so amazing and you're doing more than one job just to get through. Incredible people who work in many, many different jobs to earn enough money. Some of you are doing it all on your own and you're having to earn enough to cover everything all on your own. And Jesus could come and then say to us, is there any possibility that you're on a kind of spiritual autopilot? You know, you're busy you're doing well, you're you're, you're earning a living, you're on busy trains, busy commutes, busy jobs, busy businesses, and he could come and say, is there any area of your life where you feel, actually, I'm on a spiritual autopilot, 
where I remember I used to be enthusiastic and I used to be passionate and I used to be fervent, but now I'm so busy and have so much responsibility that I'm actually tired and I'm just getting through and even thinking of Jesus as just one more thing that you have to do. So Jesus comes and addresses that through these verses. Do we find that our relationship with him is kind of infrequent prayers that we kind of shout through the letterbox to Jesus? That we're really too busy to hear him knock and open the door because that takes time and I don't really have time. But every now and then when I'm really stressed and really pressed, I open the letterbox and shout, help, Jesus, help, I need you. And I don't know how, the, hearing the tone of Jesus' voice is so important. Part of the way we know we're hearing the voice of God because it's full of hope, it's full of kindness, it's full of gentleness, it's full of love. But somehow he, he would speak maybe to us individually or maybe to us corporately and say, hey, being moderately interested in me or half-hearted in any way actually leaves you broken. So we can be busy doing life and we think, actually, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm getting by. I'm paying my bills. I'm surviving. I'm doing well. Actually, somehow I can feel, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of rich. Not necessarily you have to be rich in, you've got loads of money in the bank or big wages, but you just feel that self-sufficiency. I'm doing okay. We're getting by. I can make this. And Jesus says, actually, that kind of moderate interest in Jesus, that kind of half-hearted spirituality leaves us broken and we don't even know it because we sometimes measure our lives by I'm getting by, I'm doing okay. Or some of us think, as long as I don't actively sin this week, that's all Jesus is caring about. Or, as long as I don't get anything wrong, he's pleased. And then, But actually we're living, we could be living spiritually poor, spiritually blind, and spiritually naked. I like it when Jesus tells me the truth. I really like it. I don't like it when I beat myself up. I don't like it when I go into loops of analysis. That drives me literally crazy. I hate that. When you start to beat yourself up and critique yourself and judge yourself and you're not kind to yourself. But I actually like it when Jesus tells me the truth. I like it that Jesus' primary goal is my maturity and not just that I feel good. And sometimes we think of Christianity just as going to feel good when I need it. I come and sing a few songs because it makes me feel good. When I feel a little empty, come and hear something that makes me feel good. But it's great when Jesus tells us the truth. And the greatest thing I think about Jesus is, is the revelation in these verses is, you and I can't fix this. So we could come to say, actually, you know what? I really think I'm moderately interested and half-hearted right now, Jesus. And you know what? I think you're right. I'm, there's a bit of me that's a little broken and covered over, but I think I'm doing okay. 
But you know what, Jesus? When I'm really honest, there's a lot of pain going on here. And there's a lot of striving going on here. And there's a lot of fear going on here. And there's a lot of doubt going on here. And there's a lot of worry going on here. And there's a lot of performance going on here. And I feel perfectionistic. Like I've got to do so well in my job. Otherwise, I won't be covered and my shame will be exposed. I want to do better and better and better because I want to feel significant and seen and worthy. And we can feel all this stuff. And then we think, you know what, Jesus, I'm broken. I've got a spiritual poverty. I'm blind and actually, yeah, I'm naked. And sometimes we have to look and say, Jesus, you, you want to save hundreds of people. And Jesus, you want to do demonstrative healings of people who don't yet know you. And Jesus, you want to save hundreds of people from the Nepalese community. And Jesus, you want to see us change the world or change SE18 or change our families or change our workplaces or be an influence and salt and light wherever we go. You want us to be a light that can't be hidden. That Jesus, you want us to be an answer to the poor. You want us to be an answer to, to, to different people groups. And there are moments where we just have to say, Jesus, we're not seeing as much as we really, really would like to see. And is my life as influential as I'd really want it to be? And am I living in the song that we heard? I'm, the whole earth is filled with your glory. I'm filled with your glory. And this place is filled with your glory. That's happening. But why is it not changing the world the way we want it to change the world? So it's just an MOT. And maybe Jesus would come to us and say, do you know what? Maybe you, you, you're a bit more broken than you realise. And maybe you're a bit more poor than you realised. And maybe you're a bit more blind than you realised. And maybe you're a bit more naked than you realised. And, and, maybe, and maybe some aspects of the Western churches, we just think we can fix it by bigger, better, more. And we think the answer is a resource answer. That, that we think, oh, of course it's, it's got to be because we're in this area and we don't have as much resources as someone else or, or something else. It's... It's got to be something. And then Jesus says, no, it's, it's you. You're broken. Amen. You're broken. And you can't fix it. And you can't double your efforts. And you can't get spiritual riches by trying harder. So I think, I think that the truths of our identity, that we are glorious sons and daughters who have authority in the kingdom, sits on a foundation. And Rochelle was talking about this on Thursday night of, without you, Jesus, I'm actually broken. But I've got you, so I'm able to do amazing things. Because of you and because of who you are. And so Jesus' answer then is, if we feel that sense of, you know what, that's, that's, I'm come to the conclusion, I can't do anything, 
but I don't want to go down a wall, door of wall or a path of condemnation and guilt and beating myself up. What's the answer then, Jesus? And he says this, I counsel you, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire. So if we come to the conclusion of, Jesus, what you say is true. Like if you went to the garage and the MOT said, you failed your MOT, and I counsel you to buy from me a new exhaust, and you've got a trustworthy garage who's not going to trick you, and just say, you need four new tyres and you need a new exhaust, I counsel you to buy those from me, to get those things from me. So buy then, what, what, what's this buying? Because it's all free, isn't it? How do, we, how do you get something? How do you get this? This spiritual riches from you, Jesus. Because if we conclude, I want the spiritual riches, and you say, come to me, buy from me, Peter talks about our faith that is of greater worth than gold. And it gets tested by fire. And it results in praise when Jesus is revealed. James 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, he says it produces perseverance so that you may be complete, whole and lacking nothing. So this, this... Coming to Jesus then is by a trust. I'm coming to you. I'm getting from you. It's buying isn't I'm going to give money to get something. Buying is more the, the, the pipe that these resources travel along is a conduit. It's a pipe of trust. It's like if you plug a cable into the wall, electricity flows along it. The act of plugging something in connects you to the reality of the power source. So come to me and buy is, could be better said maybe for us as come and trust in me, come and believe in me, come and get what you need from me by trust, by faith, by believing. And so Jesus knocks at the door and says, I want to give you what you need. I want to give you what you need. And he knocks at the door of the church and says, I've called you to be a community-changing, world-changing church, to impact nations and to impact the community. And he calls us to be covered and healed and not broken and whole. And he says, you want all of that? I'm knocking at the door and coming to give it to you. I mean, that is grace and that is kindness. That would point out what we need and then say, I'm going to meet it for you. The only criteria that you have to meet is come to me. Come to me. That's all you have to do is come to me. And so Jesus knocks at the door of us individually and he knocks at the door of the church. And the wonderful thing about freedom is Jesus does not force himself on us. It doesn't say Jesus tells us that we're broken and then bursts through the doors of the church in our life and says, here I am, I'm going to meet all those needs. He doesn't force the relationship on us. He says it's our choice. He says, he says, do you want to take the locks off the door? 
And do you want a joyful, willing act of humility? Could it be possible that you can, you can have as much of Jesus as you want? You can have as much of Jesus as you want. You know, it says we're filled with the fullness. I've shared my glory with you. But we can access that, enjoy that, and overflow that to whatever extent we want to. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, I'm taking the locks off the door. Jesus, I'm coming to you to get what I need because I can't get it any other way. I'm not going to legalism. I'm not going to performance. I'm not going to perfectionism. I'm not going to beat myself up and condemn myself. I'm going to ask you to come in. So opening the door is an act of trust. Basically, it's an act of trust that says, I'm believing that the only cure for my blindness and my shame and my spiritual poverty is you. That I'm, I'm coming and recognising that nothing else is going to meet that need. And you, you need to be meeting that need of me being seen and covered and significant. It doesn't mean that you can't be significant in your job. It doesn't mean you can't achieve great things. It just means that Jesus is the primary way of meeting the deep parts of our life. You are the cure for our spiritual brokenness. So, when you hear this, whatever lack or deficiency you feel, whatever need you have, whatever brokenness you've come here with, Jesus is the one who can meet that, heal that, and give you capacity and resources to walk in strength, even with those things. That we could say to Jesus, as a local church, Jesus, we, we want to say yes to you. And he says, everything you need, everything you long for to, to do my work in my way, in my time, I am the resource and the sufficiency for everything I've called you to individually and as a community. That's what it means to open the door. That's what it means to open the door of the church to Jesus. It's that sense of I'm repenting, I'm changing my mind. From this moment onwards, I'm changing my mind. I don't want to live independent of you. We're going to grow in this. We're not going to get it all right from day one, but we're going to say my repentance is I want to be more aware of you throughout the day. I don't want to be just aware of you on a Sunday or some Sundays or sometimes. I want to be aware of you all the time every day because I will not live independent of you and I will not live self-sufficient from you. I may have incredible capacity and resources as a human being. I may be resilient and courageous and able and educated and many things I can do, but I want to recognize that without you, I'm poor, I'm blind, I'm naked. Actually, Jesus, I've got no real strength to change this world apart from you. It's... It's a sense of saying, I won't live on autopilot anymore. I'm not going to live on a spiritual autopilot anymore. 
I'm going to invite you into absolutely everything that I do. See, opening the door to Jesus is not the equivalent of a whole bunch of practices and things that you've now got to fit into your life. Opening the door to Jesus is not you saying, right, okay, I'm going to do this and spin this plate every morning, or I'm going to spin this plate every morning, or I'm going to spin this plate every morning. I'm going to add a whole new list of things to my life, and now I'm going to be evangelistic, and now I'm going to serve in this way, and now I'm going to do this. It's actually only one thing. And then everything else cascades and flows out of that one choice. I'm opening the door to Jesus. You see, it's possible to have an amazing spiritual routine and do amazing things and you've got an amazing list of things that you get through, but the door of your heart is still closed to him. You know, we can actually be more confident in our own spiritual practices than we are in the Jesus we want to connect to. Sometimes we can think, you know what, I did this and this and this and this, so I'm going to be looked after today, but actually we haven't really opened the door to Jesus and we haven't really connected to Jesus and we haven't really invited Jesus into our brokenness. We've just got on a religious treadmill and say, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and we feel dead and dying inside because we haven't really opened the door because we haven't really said, I need to be dependent upon you. So opening the door... Is not about a whole list of things. It's about a life that says, I want to regularly throughout the day, however many minutes it is, I'm just going to pause and recognize that the whole of my life depends upon you. That I'm going to slow down to experience your love. That I'm just going to be aware of your love. It could be you've got a coffee break and you, it's every morning it's 11... 11 o'clock or whenever it is and just before you have your coffee the coffee is a signal I'm just going to remind myself Jesus you're here with me you see me you love me I invite you in to my heart I just want to tell you Jesus in that meeting I just had I got a little bruised from that conversation and that phone call really left me a little insecure I'm inviting you into my pain about that or Jesus there's a new opportunity opening up for me at work I'm going to ask you what you think about that Jesus what do you want me to do is that something you've got for me I'm going to ask you and get your wisdom and insight onto that I'm not rushing Jesus into saying yes I'm slowing down to invite you in. What do you think about that? I want your wisdom. I want your your grace. So it's slowing down to experience his love. It's giving Jesus regular access to your life. So that we let him know us by telling him and connecting to him. Is, is things that invite Jesus into the innermost part of who you are. It's what Christianity is. It's a living relationship with a real person. It's what it is. A person who happens to be God. Who's got a lot of capacity, a lot of resources, pretty much everything we need doesn't mean we don't need one another and we need people and we need relationships. All those are great gifts. We need marriage, we need loving kids and jobs, all great things. But they ultimately are all pointing to the ultimate relationship, which is him. That everything in life that we get to enjoy ultimately points to 
the ultimate expression, which is to know him. See, it's in relationship that Jesus clothes us. It's actually in relationship that he gives medicine for our blindness so that we can see. It's in relationship that we receive spiritual riches. It's in relationship that he imparts deep life to us. It's in relationship that Jesus ignites and fuels enthusiasm and passion and affection. It's all in relationship. Legalism says you can't connect until you clothe yourself, heal your blindness and get spiritual riches. Legalism says you can't be accepted until you get passion, affection and enthusiasm. The gospel says you come in naked, blind and poor. It's what Hebrews is talking about. Come into the throne of grace in your time of need. Not when you've got it all sorted, in your time of need. When you say, Jesus, I've come to the conclusion I am broken. I've come to the conclusion I am blind. I've come to the conclusion I am naked. I've come to the conclusion, however much capacity I have, I am wretched and poor. And I'm coming into one who says, I know all that about you and I love you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to heal your eyes and I'm going to give you spiritual riches so that you can go and change the world. So that you can overflow passion and enthusiasm and capacity to anywhere you go on a foundation of, I know it's not me, it's him. I know it's us in partnership together. And so, it is us. It is us. But it's in partnership with him. It's not that, it's not that we disappear. It's us. It's you, who you are. Connected to him, being who you are. It's him as we come to him and say, you know what, Jesus, there's parts of me that do need demoting. There are parts of me that need demoting, Jesus. There are parts of me that need transformation, Jesus. And there are parts of me that right now are flourishing, Jesus. That's your identity in Christ. And you're walking with him and he's walking with you. And he's saying, right, I'm going to help you demote and change that. I'm going to transform that with you. Uh, I'm going to cause it to flourish more and more and more and more into freedom. And it's all going to be done because you recognize, I've got to connect to the vine. I've got to connect to the source. I've got to come and buy from the one who has what I need. I can't get it any other way. So I'm coming to you. And so whether I'm silent or whether I'm worshipping, or whether I'm meditating on the Bible, or whether I'm walking and praying, whether I'm in nature, comprehending or thinking about you, wherever I'm in the cinema, wherever I am, and when God speaks, I'm looking for everything, whatever I do, to be about opening the door. It doesn't matter if it's two minutes of silence before you start the day. Jesus, I recognise you. I recognise that all my life flows from you. I'm opening the door to you. I want to know you. You can know me. Jesus, let your word come alive on the train. Not just so I feel like I've read a chapter and somehow you're pleased with me now. I want to connect with you. I want to connect to your voice. And I'm... And I guess all of us would say, you know what, I want more passion, I want more affection, I want more enthusiasm. I want it. 
I want to be courageous and brave and bold. I want to grow in these things. I want to flourish. I want to be fruitful more and more and more and more. And you're going to impart your deep life to me because you're knocking at the door and I'm answering. And you said, you said you would give me gold refined by fire. You said I would become spiritually rich. You said that I'd have these white clothes to wear so that you would cover my shame. You'd cover my past. You'd cover the areas where I feel unworthy to connect and to belong and to be seen. You'd come and cover all that so that I can be seen. You would do that for me. And what have I done? All I've come is to you to buy gold simply by trusting you can do what I need you to do. I don't need to understand. I don't need to work that hard. I don't need to try to transform myself. All I need to do is say, I'm opening the doors. Everything I do is opening the doors, opening the doors, opening the doors. I'm rushing in the morning. I've got to be on the train at six. I've got a minute. I've got a minute. When I'm walking, just to pause and say, everything flows from you, Jesus. I know you love me. I know you're for me. See, saying only one thing matters is not a quick fix. Yeah, I'd love to finish and say, open up the doors to the zappage. (laughs) And we're all going to be zapped and we'll, we'll go out of here. That's not how it works. In nature, it doesn't work like that. You have one amazing meal, guarantee you'll be hungry later on. (laughs) I don't remember every meal, but you remember the ones that, in the midst of, there's lots lots of meals, isn't there? And then there's the ones that jump out, the Christmas meal, the special meals, the birthday meals. Lots of meals jump out for me. France is the home of great cooking. (laughs) but we just eat don't we you don't say 1987 I had a great meal it's a feast Jesus met me I haven't eaten since that's why I'm a bit wobbly so there isn't a quick fix in a relationship You don't say, had a great time walking along with some friends, really shared deeply, fun, and we laughed. My friendship tank is now full forever. (laughs) in, in, In life, there's not this quick fix thing. There's not magic. That growing spiritually and letting Jesus fill us is sometimes really slow. It's like planting a seed. And it grows as you water it and tend it and cultivate it. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And suddenly these daily things that you do to connect to Jesus starts to spring up everywhere you go. And we have to be patient with God and patient with ourselves. And as I finish, it's great to give an opportunity for us to respond and and we can do all this together or as however many would like to and it, it can be for some of us we think actually I'm doing really really well spiritually I've got 
I'm just growing and I'm doing well and I'm flourishing. Jesus says there's more for you. Dream bigger dreams. Believe for bigger impact. Believe for greater overflow and influence. Bigger influence, greater impact, more people getting saved, healed and delivered around you. Others of us just feel, you know what? I feel I'm a bit, I'm broken, I'm poor, I'm blind, I'm naked. And I just need to respond and just say, I'm opening up the door to you this morning. And maybe for some of us, you never even ever opened the door to Jesus. You, you've never done that. And today can be an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Actually, I want to open the door to you because you've got a life that I want. Jesus invites us into life. So as we finish, I want to ask you, just, we're going to pause for a moment, just give you some time to reflect. But I'm going to ask you, because coming to Jesus isn't just the moment you get saved. It's, it's every day. It's not to get saved every day. You know, it's not about whether you're saved or not. So often our preoccupation is, am I getting into heaven? Did I pray the prayer 20 years ago and then we're waiting to die? And just think, I've got fire insurance. I'm all right. I prayed the prayer, prayer December the 5th, 1964. And I haven't talked to Jesus since. That's fire insurance. Just I'm going to get into heaven when I die. What about heaven invading earth and invading you so that you bring heaven everywhere you go? That's a life I want to do. So I'm going to ask us to just spend a moment. And the thing you're going to ask yourself is, do I want to come to Jesus like this? So acknowledgement. I'm glorious. I'm amazing. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. I've got an incredible identity and authority. But actually, it's all because, Jesus, you've redeemed my humanity. It's all because you've given me a new spirit. And now I'm going to live out from a new identity where you're you're covering my shame. You're giving me spiritual riches and you're opening my eyes. So I ask if you want to come to Jesus like that. And all you're saying is, Jesus, I just want to acknowledge you, not just once a week, once a fortnight. I want to acknowledge you and my dependence upon you daily multiple times if you want to say yes to that I'm just going to invite you to stand (coughs) want to come to Jesus like that (coughs) and maybe Joe we could just sing that song you started of fix our eyes upon Jesus and yeah Jesus we're not saying yes to a whole load of busyness. We're not saying yes to a whole load of activities and practices. We're saying yes to you, Jesus. We're saying yes to your spiritual riches. We're saying yes to a life of connecting to you. We're saying yes to a daily relationship where we're not independent and self-sufficient, but we're trusting and relying upon you. And Jesus, that we're believing as we connect to you, you're going to fill us with such passion, affection, enthusiasm and you're going to impart your deep deep life to us we thank you that's going to happen in the still small voice that's going to happen in the quietness that's going to happen in the bible that's going to happen as we connect to you and pray it's going to happen that there's going to be a life that's going to grow because we connect to you